Tyrone Heppard, and you're listening to the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. Welcome. I don't know what that was. It just felt appropriate. How you doing? How's life? I hope you're all doing good out there. Uh, I got to tell you, this this uh, two-week production schedule I've implemented for the podcast has done wonders for me. I've, uh, I've gotten a lot more work done, spent some more time with the family, and it's been good. It's been good. I've, uh, I've been able to, you know, hang out. And uh, do more work than just beyond uh, the work I do for the podcast, which, by the way, this week's podcast, you're going to love. We're highlighting Theo Vaughn. I know if you've heard of him, you love this guy. You already know (laughs) it's about to be a wild show. I don't got to say much about that. If you don't, you're in for a treat. But before we get into all that, you know what we got to do. We got to take care of the business. So if you want to talk to me. Or you want to see what I do on social media, which isn't really much at this point. You'd think I'd have got that done during this last two weeks, but I haven't. But it's still there, and you can still use it. Hit me up on the gram at Bring a Show Pod, on the talk at Bring a Show Pod. You want to write me a letter? You want to artfully word and construct an electronic piece of correspondence? You can shoot that over my way via Gmail. At bringershowpod at gmail.com. All right. So, like I said, I've had some time to uh, do some research and just dive into not just the topics for the show, but the history of comedy in general. And I was listening to Greg Fitzsimmons. He's one of my favorites. He has a podcast called Fitzstyle Radio, and he had this guest on by the name of Wayne Fetterman, who's a stand up and a comedy professor. At NYU, I believe. And uh, he's got a new book based on a podcast series that he did called The History of Stand-Up. Called The History of Stand-Up. And I got to tell you, folks, I've only been re- I've only read like the first chapter and I have learned so much. Um, not that you would know this, but if you're my friend or you've been around me, you know that I actually went to school for journalism, right? I'm a journo. I haven't written in a while, but... I paid almost 40 grand for the degree, so I'm a journalist, goddammit. And um, in the first chapter of History of Stand-Up, uh, Fetterman talks about who he thinks are the, the, four, fa- the four forefathers of American stand-up co- comedy. And it was Artemis Ward, uh, Mark Twain, who I think we've heard of, uh, a guy named Burt Williams, and another guy named Will Rogers. And did you know... Out of those four men, three of them uh, did, did dabbled in, in newspaper work. Um, Artemis Ward was a straight-up journalist who got his start um, writing satirical columns for the paper and um, eventually took it on tour um, where he ran into Mark Twain, who was inspired by his work, who then started doing the same thing, as you know, uh, Mark Twain worked for a newspaper before he was, uh, you know, the 
the satirist, the comedian, I guess, that we, we've uh, known and loved and the writer that we, uh, we're all familiar with. There was a guy named Burt Williams who uh, wasn't a newspaper man, but he did pioneer pretty much the main forms of comedy that we love today. He did, you know, he had a character on stage. He, he put out music. Um, there was improv. He did all the things and did it very well. And then there was Will Rogers, who didn't start off as a as a reporter or a newspaper man. He was like a, a cattle rancher from Oklahoma. Uh, but he eventually, um, you know, did stand up. He was actually um, his his era's uh, John Stewart, and uh, was famous for uh, making fun of Woodrow Wilson, um, who was president at the time, to his face. So he did what John Stewart did before there was a Daily Show, and um, and. I think what all this means is that if these guys were journos and they got into comedy and I'm a journo and I'm near comedy, then that means this podcast is just going to be a, a success, right? Like Joe Rogan better watch the fuck out because I'm taking over. History is my judge. History is my guide. Onward, upward, excelsior. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about anymore, but you should definitely check out the book, History of Stand-Up, um, from Mark, to Pla Mark Twain to Dave Chappelle. It's really, really fun. I like it a lot. Uh, but that's enough. Enough plugging shit I'm not getting paid for. Today, we're talking about Theo Vaughn, y'all. So uh, get comfy. It's going to be an interesting ride. Let's get into it. Let's go. So I said this before, but when it comes to the type of comedy I enjoy, it's likely to have originated from some dark place. And it's not because I'm a nihilist or I hate good things. I just find it more relatable. And it's funny because I don't know about you, but when I generally find myself wanting to hear stand-up, it's for one of two reasons. Either I'm in a great mood and I want to laugh, or I'm in a shitty mood and I want to laugh. And I got to tell you, nowadays, the latter proves to be more true. We've all dealt with heartbreak or lost people. We've gotten sick or been fired or been in a really awkward or dangerous or terrible situation. And sometimes it helps to talk to someone else about it, you know? Doesn't hurt to laugh about it either. And comedy can make me feel better, at least for a little bit. The same's true for comics, but they take it to a whole nother level. For example, I know I've heard comics talk about something tragic happening before a show or crazier yet, they get some terrible news just before going on stage, and then they immediately start talking about it on stage. There's no ditch in the set. There's no delaying the show because you got to go call Nana and Pop Pop, all right? If they're good, there's no bombing either. They just go up there, and they figure that shit out on stage because, as it turns out, playing to a crowd can help comics process emotions in this weird yet beneficial way. And sure... It probably isn't the healthiest way to deal long-term, and it's not the only way to be funny, but it's certainly one of the best ways to connect with an audience. And look, there's some truth to that old trope that trauma breeds great comics. The most interesting people we know have had to overcome some kind of tragedy or adversity, no matter what field they work in. With comedy... 
There are certain breeds of comics who wear their anguish on their sleeve, right? Real shit birds who come out abrasive and swinging and with no filter. These are the comics that kill, but they also at the same time make you think, who hurt you? And those comics are great. I'm not knocking them at all. I plan on talking about a lot of them here on the Bring a Show Comedy Podcast. But admittedly, at least for me, some of the best are the people who have all the reason in the world to be miserable, and they just aren't. In fact, they seem pleasant to be around. And I perceive Theo Vaughn as one of these comics. Born, Theodore, Capitani, Vaughn, Kernichtowski. Nailed it. Theo Vaughn was raised in Covington, Louisiana as one of four children. Before he started doing stand-up in 2003, Vaughn graduated with his bachelor's degree from the University of New Orleans and was on reality television. Now, at this point, I have to get something out of the way. I'm not a big reality TV fan. Never cared for it. I've heard of most of the shows people watch. You know, I know things exist. I just, for some reason, can't be made to give a damn about any of it. This was true when I was younger as well, right? So while you might feel some kind of way, when I note how before stand-up Theo was on some road rules slash real-world challenge battle of the sexes gauntlet of the seasons or whatever, you should know I barely know what that was. The same is true for Last Comic Standing, which Theo and a lot of other comics have been on. I saw maybe two full episodes and then promptly deleted those experiences from my memory. Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sure they were lovely shows. I'm sure they were great. Um, but I don't bring this up to Trash Network Television. I think it's important to note how Theo Vaughn has had a relatively high profile for a while now. But I think the reason for his current success is because not only is he entertaining, he's authentic. And, in his case, a lot of that authenticity comes from the dark personal stories he tells and the way he interacts with his fans. Vaughn has noted in his stand-up that his father was 70 when he was born, and his mom was in her early 30s at the time and would go on to raise Theo as a single parent. This, you're probably thinking, must provide mountains of material for his stand-up, but I assure you, it's just the beginning. In his comedy, Vaughn talks about growing up in extreme poverty. He talks about being emancipated at 14, meaning he was granted permission by the state to raise himself that young. There was neglect, social awkwardness, possible sexual assault, definite drug abuse, depression, isolation, and other problematic circumstances that Theo had to get through in his early life. And as an adult, Theo continued to fight off these dark arts, these negative attitudes or energy that would be directed toward him for some reason or another. Now, if I know two things... It's that money doesn't buy happiness, and fame certainly doesn't earn you respect. And Theo elaborates during his conversation with comic Bobby Lee and Bobby's girlfriend Kalila about his reality TV days on an episode of Tiger Belly, uh, Tiger Belly from 2018. Let's check it out. Of course I would have taken that at 19. Yeah, I mean, I had no plans of going to comedy or being a comedian. I didn't have any... I was just walking across campus at college, and I was just, like, really, really depressed, and they had, like, auditions, and then um, next thing you know, I was, uh, they called me one day, and they asked me to to go on this trip, you know, and I was like, oh, this is going to be really, really interesting, and then, um, yeah, and then that's how I got into it. I think the part that kind of burned me was, like, or the part that got to me was like whenever I got out to LA years later and I decided I'm going to get in, I want to do stand up. Mm -hmm. 
some of it was there was times where you know I liked making people laugh because I always you know like and this is part of alcoholism you just I just never felt I just always thought people just didn't like me ever since mm -hmm. I was young it just something was wrong with me I had mm -hmm. this ism where I thought people just didn't like me and it just there was nothing I could ever do in a moment to feel any different mm -hmm. and so I knew if I was making people laugh that they had to be liking me for that few seconds because they mm -hmm. couldn't hate you can't not like somebody and laugh right mm -hmm. so it was like a real proof that I had it, it, you know visually um, and so you know then I got into making people laugh and and then you would get out to like places and then there was always just like these dudes who would like come from other cities or whatever who would probably auditioned to be on these reality shows because yeah. like it was always those types of people I would see when I would go into auditions and stuff right. who would always kind of I guess made me feel negative about it right right you know so I don't know if sometimes the the feelings came from me as much as they did probably just from some weird lack of acceptance when, yeah. and back in Louisiana people would like try to fight me at bars and guys would like Jeez. I remember people throwing bottles at me and like it just got crazy and that's one of the reasons why I left Louisiana was because it got so uh, crazy yeah. you know yeah. it just got out of jealousy right probably I guess they get it, drunk fuck this guy yeah. he's, you know he's on TV and it's MTV, fag, that's fag, yeah, they just yeah, say yeah, and yeah, the N word yeah. they call me the N word too when I'm like what <laughs> <laughs> you know like I mean I'm Polish Nicaraguan uh, yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah yeah but uh, so yeah just idiots you know I mean there's a lot of idiocy in a lot of places so but that made me feel on that with the suffering I'm done I will show you yeah one day I will show you Ooh. and that idea that feeling I still have it's, it'll never go away. Yeah. That I am going to show you what I'm capable of. Yeah, I think some of that hit me, man. Some right. of that got into me. I was like, okay, like, you know, I didn't even have a chance. So I was making really any choices in my life. I was 19. And then now you guys are going to say, oh, this guy isn't, you know, uh, talented. Or this guy couldn't be an entertainer, mm -hmm. you know. or And I was like, okay, I'm going to take the hardest job to do. I'm going to take stand-up, and I'm mm -hmm. going to do that then. Yeah. Because then there's no way that anybody could say – they can say whatever they want, but with stand-up, there's no – nobody can help you. I right. mean, they can get you up on that stage, but you got to have to be up there. Oh, my God. You not only have to be bad, but – As a storyteller, Von draws from his deep well of misery often in his stand-up and on his podcast this past weekend. What's more impressive, I think, is that he's managed to do this without becoming a hardened – bitter comic. In fact, I'd go so far as to say the man is probably one of the most sensitive yet grounded comics in the scene, despite all the terrible shit he's had to endure, but I'll touch on that a little bit later. Right now, I want to give Theo mad props for keeping that positive mental attitude. His podcast is all about good vibes, and while he might bust balls with Brendan Schaub as co-host of the King and the Sting podcast, he's always reaching out to members of his fan base who could use some help or words of encouragement. Sure, I don't agree with everything Theo says, all right? I don't agree with all his views, but I can't deny that in a world full of social media comment sections and in a cynical profession like comedy, Theo's a uniquely kind guy, and his fans recognize this, and I think they appreciate it. But a comedy career cannot be sustained on the dark arts alone. No, it can't. And while lots of comics talk about their pasts on stage, Theo stands out from his peers simply with his observations and in the way he tells a story. Maybe it's because he's from the South and he's heard a lot of colloquialisms. Maybe it's because he's seen some shit and he's worked his ass off. Maybe he was just born this way, but whatever it is, 
Theo has this uncanny ability to color a story with language and imagery so vivid it makes you wish you were there to see it. I swear. He can talk about changing a light bulb or washing dishes and make an audience feel like they missed out on something epic. It's like, you ever been talking to someone and all of a sudden they catch you off guard with a hilarious response you weren't expecting? They say something so flat out funny it nearly makes you choke on your drink and you go, excuse me? What the hell did you just say? And they look at you like, I don't know, what did I just say? Theo does this all the time. And the ease with which he says some of the wild, out of left field shit, completely unprompted, seems to just come naturally to him. To see what I mean, let's just listen to how he began his interview with Sean Evans on the interview slash chicken wing eating show Hot Ones back in 2019. It's a real short clip. It's literally just the intro, but this this is a great example of what I'm talking about. Check it out. Theo Vaughn, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here. I'm happy to be here with you and uh, this poultry, Daddy. And I know that you're a Louisiana boy. Do you practice the dark art of eating spicy food or no? Actually, I got a pepper stuck in my ear when I was young. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways people naturally take peppers into the body, dude. Right, and right. When you take it through that, you know, past that lobe, over that freaking lobe, baby, that's... Uh, that's some absorbent tissue in there. Oh, dude. Uh, you know, you never really hear the same, and you always hear fire trucks after that. You hear people crying, you hear the devil walking, you know? Once you've had that burn inside of you. At the risk of sounding like a self-help guru, I love this about Theo's comedy because it proves you don't need huge act-outs or a tale about some crazy once-in-a-lifetime experience to kill on stage, although Theo's got plenty of those. You can just be you, and you know what? Sometimes that's enough. To me, Theo Vaughn is the equivalent of the specialist in an action movie the good guys call in to take care of business. He doesn't play by the rules, but he's the best we got, says the squad leader, as Theo strolls up in a suit and some shades. He flicks a cigarette to the side and asks, what seems to be the problem, boys? As someone sheepishly points to a door, a hush falls on the group, and he casually walks into the room. Chaos ensues, but you don't see what's happening. You just hear him killing. A few minutes later, Theo walks out unscathed. Everyone in the room is dead. The squad doesn't know what to say, and Theo casually walks off into the sunset, mullet just a billowing behind him as some blues riff slowly plays him out. Now, before we get to his stand-up, I think now's an appropriate time to mention Theo's album. It's not even a comedy album. It's music. And I guess it's technically not Theo's album, per se. All right, let me explain. You see, back in 2018, Theo did a solo episode of his podcast where he just talks about his childhood and how he ultimately became sober, right? In it, he's thoughtful, self-reflective, and relatable. All the shit we've been talking about. Um, and the story's moving on its own. But then, a British musician and producer named Akira the Don stumbled across this clip. He decided to mix it to music and, with Theo's blessing, of course, turned it into a hauntingly beautiful full-length album called Telling Stories, in which Theo retells the stories he did in that podcast over some sick music, some dope vocals, and some awesome effects. It came out in June of this year, and I ain't heard no shit like it before in my life. Every track I've listened to so far slaps. And I say every track I've listened to so far because I haven't exactly finished the album yet. 
why haven't I finished the album? Well, I mean, it's good. It's amazing. It's just... It's just so damn sad, guys. It's really sad. <laughs> and I almost want to cry every time I finish a song. Um, I was going to play you a clip. Unfortunately, time wouldn't allow me to play a full track. But I did get a clip of Akira the Don himself talking about making the album during a uh, live Q&A he did on his channel, on his YouTube channel. So we'll check that out instead. And I was very, very, very keenly aware, very, very quickly, that it was an album, like the size of it, the shape of it, and the, the necessity of it, you know, and how useful it would be, you know, because uh, a lot of people are having a lot of problems right now. I mean, they already were, you know, a lot, a lot of the, the shadow side of this incredible moment in time. I wish we get to do things of this nature. And we can all be here together. We can all be together in a way that was never possible before. But at the same time, the shadow side of that is that people are lonelier than they have ever been. While simultaneously being mad lonely, you know, and that leads to a lot of anxiety for a lot of people. And that means that a lot of people will do things like, you know, just fall into drink and drugs and things of that nature. And they're surrounded by cultural, cultural sort of influences and signposts that tell them, yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's what you should do get fucked up, you know, and, uh, you know, and the story like Theo's is such a powerful story, you know, and I think I felt a lot of people could relate to it. I felt that because I knew I did because I saw so much of myself in that story, so much of Theo's life story of, of and, uh, well, yeah, I related to it. I saw so much of myself in it. I had so many similar experiences myself, you know, and, uh, and the way with which he dealt with the things that came into him, and the kind of person that he became, you know, uh, it's just a very, very powerful thing. And I thought it would be helpful for people, you know, and uh, I thought it would be an amazing album. So I made it, you know, and, uh, and it's there now and I'm real glad it exists. And I'm real grateful to Theo for letting me do it, you know. Again, the album's called Telling Stories by Akira the Don and Theo Vaughn. It's masterfully produced. It's a great piece of music. I highly, highly recommend giving it a listen if you want to learn more about the circumstances that helped form one of the funniest people doing stand-up comedy today. But I'm telling you, you're going to want some tissues if you're a crier. If you're not a crier, you're about to be. It's going to happen. Just don't say nobody told you. All right? Now, let's get down to it. A lot of directions I could have went in for this week's clip. Uh, my man Theo goes off on some tangents, boy. But ultimately, I decided on a few bits from the beginning of Musket Fire, early years of satire. It dropped in 2017, and I think it's a compilation of older stuff. I say that only because he references 2014 in a bit that I'm not going to play. But anyway, doesn't matter. Let's get that hitter. Ladies and gentlemen, if I can make you your headliner this evening. Very, very funny comedy like from Nashville, Tennessee, by way of LA, by way coming to Louisiana. Give it up for the Rat King, Mr. Theo Vaughn.
happy to be somewhere. I'm just happy to be, man. Anywhere. Except at Denny's, man. That place is a shithole. You guys got Denny's here? Fuck Denny, man. That place is a shithole, dude. Two of the leading cause of death in America, diabetes, heart disease. That's Denny's, bro. Like, the place is a shithole. Everything in there tastes like eggs and onions. Everything. The air, the pie, the napkins. Even the silverware if you just run in there and lick them. And what do they clean the tables with? Syrup? Fucking once you sit down, you can't even get up. You're just like, Guess we're staying for lunch. And all the waitresses look like shit at every location. How do they do it? Do they even have a job application or do they just have like a big mirror? And if you look like shit, then you're on staff, little lady. But you gotta wear a hat because nothing looks better than shit in a hat. Put on your hat, shitty waffle up. And all the waitresses got whiskers, bruh. You hiring cat people, Denny? You hiring cat people, bruh? Meow, come to Denny's. Sorry for the bad service. I just gave birth to a bunch of babies in a cardboard box in the kitchen. Place a shithole, man. And you never even know what you had. You could have just eaten. Leave your table. What'd you have? With syrup. I won't even go use the shitters up there anymore, man. I used to go use the shitters up there. My ex-girlfriend lived by a Denny's because she was a drug addict. And I'd go use the shitters up there, man, but not anymore, dude. I'll shit outside. Like one of God's boys. Turn up. What else is going on, man? Just been chasing these hoes, really. Um, uh, no offense, hoes. Um, just been trying to meet a good lady. It's hard. It's hard. You got to have money these days. And I don't blame you, ladies. Who wants to fuck some poor guy? That's nasty. You get done banging, you're just laying there all poor. It's like, oh, can I get you a towel that won't match any of the other towels? What about some chips? Nothing washes down a fuck like some chips. Wanna split a bag of chips with daddy? Gotta have money. Gotta have money to get the ladies, man. Gotta have nice shit. I don't have nice shit. I got the other shit. Like, I don't have a nice apartment, right? But this is how I cheat. I put all the nicest stuff right by the door, right? So it looks nice when you come in. Oh, just step over that new toaster. Nice. Just set your purse by that Sopranos box set. Haters, welcome. Like, I don't have a nice car. I have that car where you act like you don't remember where you parked, but you're standing right next to your car. And then when nobody's looking, you fucking get in, you escape. You drive, it looks like you're stealing your own car. You tell your friends it's a rental. They're renting 97 Accords to people? Yeah, 
Oh, I'm just driving it for charity. Yeah. Every time I floor it, a blind boy can see for a second. So I get a lot of speeding tickets, you know, for his little dark ass. No offense if anybody's blind either. My uh, friend Maurice is blind, and he said it ain't that bad in there. So that kind of softens my heart about it. But you got to have money to get the ladies, man. You got to have nice shit. If you don't have nice shit, if you don't have money, you got to have the other money, drugs, okay? Especially out in L.A., man. These girls out there are a bunch of coke ghosts. That's what I call them. Because they're invisible, dude. They don't answer your calls, don't answer your texts. They don't exist. But you break out a little bag of blow cane, they show up out of thin air like, blow, blow. Then they're angry when you want to get them in the sheets. I'm like, you're a ghost. Okay, welcome home. This is your natural attire. And if you don't have money or drugs, then you got to be yourself, right? Fuck that. Last thing I'm doing is being myself, not on my watch. What am I going to say to a girl? Hey, my name is Theo. Mostly I just Netflix and keep my hopes up. <laughs> Fuck no, dude. You will be alone forever. But these days, you don't have to be yourself because they got the internet, right? So I met a girl recently online. I hit her up. I said, let's get some coffee. Does she write me back? She said, coffee's boring. Didn't you read my profile? I'm adventurous. I want to go skydiving on our first date. <laughs> and nowhere in my budget is there skydiving for unknown bitches' money, okay? <laughs> I keep unknown bitches at sea level. So I wrote her back. I said, well, look here, fancy. I happen to live on the 11th floor of my building. Won't you come over here? I'll assist you off the balcony in a windbreaker. You still feeling all adventurous down in the flower beds? I'll get your newly crippled ass a coffee then. But the caffeine ain't gonna save your legs, you greedy little gremlin. And now I'm angry, man. Now I'm angry at a woman that I've never even met. Do you know what that's like, man, to be angry at bitches you don't even know? My buddy Sherman's like, what's wrong? I'm like, this bitch. He's like, hey. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Invisible bitches, Sherman. She's a skydiver. Let's wait for her. Well, how will we know when she gets here if she's invisible? I don't know. Sweet, you feel bitch in the air. That might be her. Oh. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Theovon's name has been added to the digital wall of our virtual comedy club. See what I did there? Changed it up for you. Big changes since the programming change. I'm telling you. If you want to hear more Theo Vaughn, he's got another album I think you should check out. It's called 30 Pound Bag of Hamster Bones. 
Yeah, you have to listen to it. See what that's about. Uh, you can still check out his old Netflix special, No Offense, on Netflix. And I say old because if you're living in Huntsville, Alabama, or Nashville, Tennessee, then you already know you have tickets to sold-out shows in those places for his Dark Arts Tour material and his Dark Arts Netflix special taping which I did not know was happening until I went to do this episode. So I am excited to see how that turns out. Meanwhile, um, it's still going to be hard to see this guy. He's sold out everywhere. He's sold out in St. Louis at the pageant on Friday, September 17th. Um, he sold out in Cincinnati on September 18th at the Icon Music Theater. There's still tickets, though, in Cincinnati for the Icon Music Theater on Saturday. September 18th uh, for the late show that they just added. He'll be in Charlotte, the Belk Theater, and September 24th. You can get tickets. Durham sold out. <laughs> so I guess just go to Theobon.com to see whether or not you can see this guy because he is tearing it up on the road right now. And honestly, that makes me feel real good. But that's it. We've done it. Another episode of the Bringer Show Comedy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. We'll be back in two weeks with another hilarious comic to profile. I have been your host, Tyrone Heppard. You guys have been great. Thanks for listening.